welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to take your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. G'day, everyone, and welcome back to episode 99 of Australia's favourite small business marketing show. I am the host of that show, Timbo Reid, and it is a pleasure to have you along because you are a motivated small business owner wanting to do crackingly good marketing, aren't you? I do hope so. Hey, um, we are here thanks to the guys at netregistry.com.au for all your online marketing needs. They will get you sorted. So go and check them out. There's a banner on uh, my site that will lead you right to the source of online marketing nirvana. And hello to everyone at the Flying or in the Flying Solo community. Great to have you guys along as well. Great feedback last week on last week's show with Andrew Griffiths. So for those of you who are regular listeners, you'll know that last week, Andrew Griffiths and I, Andrew is a small business author, joined together and had a bit of a yak around all things marketing and all things business. Well, not all things, but you know, a lot of things marketing and business related. And we intend to do that at least once a month, once at the expectation any higher than that at the moment, except to say that it'll be at least once a month. I reckon it might be a little bit more often. We'll see what happens. We did put the feelers out there to come up to see whether you guys could come up with a name for those episodes, um, which uh, many people have. We've had about, let me see, we've had 49 responses from people contributing, either voting on names that we already had or contributing to uh, contributing their own thoughts. There's some great stuff. I'll just go to the little Survey Monkey questionnaire that we put out, and um, I'll tell you what's leading the pack at the moment, which is one that I'm not a big fan of. Thirty minutes of mayhem has got the most votes at the moment. Don't really like it. It's actually one of Andrew's names. Don't tell him that, but. Um, yeah, doesn't really, hopefully it's just a little bit more than mayhem. Um, Timbo and AG has also got a fair few votes, but the one that's leading the pack at the moment is Funny Business. Hey, Funny Business, bit of a double entendre. Um, we're liking that. Um, it came through uh, the fact that the photo that I posted of Andrew and I for the show notes last week was of a couple of chimpanzees because I didn't have a photo of Andrew and I that I wanted to post. So uh, a couple of monkeys replaced us. So could be that funny business wins the race on that one. We'll decide in the next week. Um, now, I have a bit of a rant, a bit of a, a whinge to share with you. I went to the Small Business Festival for the Victorian government um, late last week. Uh, Thank you to Net Registry for my ticket and also for tickets for some of of my listeners who also went and I caught up with a couple of you there. Um, Thanks for those freebies. Love a freebie. Um, But went to the festival. Look, it was a pretty good festival. Um, And I know there was, was probably about, I don't know, six, seven, eight hundred small business owners there soaking it up. But I was listening to uh, the guy who was talking about social media. Yeah, a I'm he- tired of hearing social media talks. It's like, like, just let's get on with it. And B, um, you know what? He just rattled off for about forty five minutes all the numbers. You know, this many people on Facebook, this many videos upload to YouTube, this many people using Twitter. Pinterest, YouTube, blah, 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 LinkedIn, you know, 
the same old. And then he showed, I don't know whether you've seen it, but there's a Fatboy Slim song that has been used as the soundtrack to a two-minute video on YouTube that explains the numbers behind social media. Like we know, we know there's lots of people on social media. We know it's here to stay. So my challenge to social media speakers generally, or any of us talking about social media, is talk about it in the context of how are small businesses applying it to help grow their business. And I hope that's coming through in the interviews that I'm doing on this show. Um, You know, I don't want to just hear from a small business owner that they're using Facebook. I want to know how they're using Facebook. You know, like the guy from Black Milk, Cameron from Black Milk, that interview went into depth about how he's using Black uh, Black Milk, how he's using Facebook. They have 160,000 likes on Facebook and how they're engaging with those. I did an interview today, which I'll post next week with this fellow Eugene from a, a business called Aquabumps. Great business. He goes in and goes down to Bondo Beach every day of the year, takes a photo and posts it on his website and his Facebook, uh, sends it out to 40,000 people on his list, has a gallery in Bondi, etc. He's on Facebook six hours a day, or Facebook and Instagram six hours a day. He talks about what he does and how he does it, okay? So I guess my point is, if we're going to talk about social media going forward, anyone We know there's lots of people. We know the numbers are big. It's time to move on and talk about the how because I know everyone out there, including me, wants to know how the businesses that are using social media are really crushing with it. Go back and listen to the bevy, the bevy of interviews that I've done over the last weeks, months, years, and there are so many great excuse me, tips and tricks on how to use social media in your business. Now, today's guest is Kim Illman, right? And this, Kim Kim is the founder, starter, owner of Messages on Hold. This is not an interview about how to create Messages on Hold. This is an interview that you will discover how to go about becoming a guerrilla marketer. This is all about guerrilla marketing. Ambush marketing um, is how Kim refers to it. He used this marketing strategy to build the powerhouse of a brand that Messages on Hold is today in Australia. And he explains exactly how he does it. So in this interview, we go deep into ambush marketing or guerrilla marketing. We go deep into another love of his, which is customer service. We talk about diversification and he explains why the host and one of the co-hosts, two of the hosts of Top Gear, stayed at his beach house recently intriguing interview. He even puts a call out to anyone who wants to join his guerrilla marketing team at Messages on Hold. I love doing this interview. Hope you get a lot from it. Pen and paper at the ready, guys. Here's Kim. Kim Illman, welcome to Small Business Big Marketing. Tim, good morning to you. Pleasure having you along. Uh, creator, founder of Messages on Hold. Kim, um, a little birdie tells me that uh, you married your first full-time staff member. So I'm just wondering, do you encourage a bit of office romance within the Messages on Hold group? Oh, I don't encourage it, but I can't stop it. It's uh, it's happened numerous times and I set the standards, so I guess I can't be too unhappy if it does happen. Yeah. Anyway, look, we've had some great stories. We've had salespeople marry my PA once and uh, a couple of others get married. So yeah, it's a fertile breeding ground. <laughs> 
Well, there's, there's nothing you can. I remember uh, I used to work in a large advertising agency many years ago, and uh, I remember uh, my boss. In fact, it was Peter Cleminger, who's a bit of a doyon in the advertising industry. He, he called me in once and he said, Tim, stop. Uh, I can't tell you the words he said, but he said, stop, you know what, the media department, uh, which was full of lovely young women at the time. But uh, it makes for a good working environment, I think, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, most of the time, except when things go bad and then you've got a, a bit of a drama on your yeah. hand, but that only happens at the end. Anyway, we're not here to talk romance. We're here to talk messages uh, on hold. And there's, there's, look, there's four areas, Kim, I'd love to talk to you about. Messages on hold business and how that came about. You're the master of ambush marketing. You love customer service. And I just want to touch on diversification. So if we can cover that in the next 30 or 35 minutes, we're doing well. Um, now, mate, you were, you, were, you were sacked from a Perth TV station in 1988. Why were you sacked and why, you, you've said it, was it a good thing? It was a good thing. Um, in hindsight, at the time, I thought I'd made a horrendous error. Why was I sacked? Oh, I uh, told a white lie and got another guy into trouble. Then it was uh, surfaced that I'd perhaps been the person responsible for this white lie and I had to fess up and they said, right, well, you go back and have a think about what you've done. And an hour later, they called me back and said, no, we can't have you here anymore. Right. And thank you very much. You're gone. <laughs> I, I rode my little um, Vespa scooter home to my two-bedroom flat in Scarborough, and I thought, what the hell have I done here? But that was the start of something fantastic, and I certainly wouldn't have thought I'd end up where I am today, uh, having been sacked by nine in uh, 88. Isn't it amazing? I, I, I can, I'd almost say without exception that when a friend or a colleague tells me that they've been sacked or retrenched, I immediately feel happy for them, uh, because it, it always works out. Uh, well, it worked out for me. I can't speak for others, but it was the impetus that I needed because I probably wouldn't have gone out and put 100% effort into what I was doing uh, if I'd still had that cushy job at Channel 9 sitting around playing table tennis for about six hours a week and <laughs> cricket outside for four hours a week and ringing my mates for two hours a week. Uh, it was a, a hopelessly it. dead uh, environment. So at some point post sacking, you're you hear an old an on an on hold message in an American Express office or on a phone Correct. American Express phone line. How long was that yeah. after being sacked? Well, I'm thinking about four months because I'd I'd gone out. Well, the, the, the sequence of events was I get sacked. I then decide right. Well, I because I was doing discos at the time, so I always had a little bit of income coming in, and I thought, well, in I'm going to go door to door. Pardon? Were you in the lycra or what? No, no, uh, but I did I did like being a DJ. It was good fun. <laughs> had the perks. But uh, I thought, no, I'll go door to door selling those little peephole viewers for front doors. Oh, I yeah. sold one in two days, so I thought, well, I'm going to give that away. And then I had this idea, having come back from England and seeing Top Shop Radio, which was a live DJ in store, that I'd go to Jeans West and Just Jeans and suggest that they do something similar with a recorded weekly uh, audio production that will be played like a radio station throughout their stores. Well, they loved it. Uh, Jeans West loved it anyway, and I got a contract with them. So within about um, probably two months of being sacked, I'd had this replacement of income. In fact, I was earning the same money I was earning at nine, but for one and a half days' work a week instead of five. So I fell on my feet there, and then I heard the on hold at American Express, and I thought, well, hey, I can, I can write advertising. I can sell the idea, I can voice it, I can mix it, I can send it out, I can invoice it, I can bank the money, shit, I can do everything. Mm. And uh, I was the perfect one-man band. Uh, and you had all those skills. You were obviously a technical yeah. guy? 
yeah, you know, I could do enough of everything. I wasn't great at any one thing, but I was um, good enough at all of them to be able to pull it off. Mm. So your first client is the Australian Taxation Department. That's a decent client. How did that happen? <clears throat> yeah, I remember going in and seeing them because they had these horrendous wait times, of course. And uh, all phone systems were coming out with a hold button at that stage, and I suggested the idea to them. I remember I had a little A4 brochure folded in three, and it was uh, in red and blue on glossy white paper. It wasn't very flash, but um, obviously what we did for them was enough to say, yeah, you got the gig, and that was my first client, and then we built from there. And literally just uh, knocked on doors, were you? Knocking on doors. Calling them up, uh, getting them excited about the concept, and then signing them up. Uh, initially, we'd charge for a cassette player, an endless loop production, and uh, we'd go back and see them in three months. All right, do you want to buy another production? And that that was that worked. It got me some income, but it wasn't until we I went across to America and had a look at a couple of companies there who were selling packages, um, because we we found that if you're going to go out and get someone excited about the concept, it took exactly the same amount of energy to get them excited about one production as it did about updating it often. And so we, we sold it on that basis that, yes, you need to update it because otherwise it goes stale, becomes a boring thing, and uh, they've wasted their money at some point. And so we suggested they update it either monthly, weekly, yearly, annually, uh, whatever the case may be. And we had that continuity of income, which was so vital for our growth. Um, it, it wasn't the first on-hold service in Australia, was it? Because you, you were hearing one at the American Express, on the American Express line. There was a guy in Adelaide, he, he started doing it. There was a guy in Perth. The guy in Perth, he was quite cocky. He thought he had the, um, the thing down pat. He thought the, he was a music producer. And his thinking was that people really wanted it for the great music he would write for them, plus a bit of advertising copy thrown in over the top. And I remember when I started going out there and saying, oh, we'll just use background music, but we'll write all the stuff and we're more advertising oriented. He wrote me this dirty letter, you're prostituting the industry and you're going to ruin it for everyone. And he didn't last much more than six months, I think, after I started. And the company that was going in Adelaide, they offered to buy me out for 30 grand at the end of the first year, and we offered to buy them out for... Five million or two and a half million a couple of years later, a few years later. So it was a, we've tended to go past everyone very quickly. What a great story. So, so um, on the assumption that messages on hold is a success story, can you wrap some numbers around it for our listeners? Turnover, staff numbers, client numbers? Yeah, we have about 11,000 sites around Asia Pacific that when you ring them and they place you on hold, you will hear our productions. Uh, we turn over about 13 million a year have about 80 staff, fluctuates uh, offices in Perth with most of our staff and office in Singapore with about eight. Uh, we've been going since 88. We saw revenue increase dramatically over the first 10 years and it's tended to just go up a little bit each year. I think we've only ever gone backwards in revenue twice in our history, two years uh, uh, in our history, and we've won several awards, including BRW's fastest growing uh, awards for I think three years in a row. I've won Entrepreneur of the Year once. I've been a finalist three times. Won the Telstra Small Business Award twice and been a finalist four times. But what do awards do, Kim? Do they do they grow the business or just the ego? Yeah. <laughs> well, they make you feel good, and certainly for the people that are involved in the company at that time, it's a bit of a buzz when they get some confirmation from. Mm. An unbiased third party that we're doing okay compared with others. Mm. It doesn't look bad on your website and when you tell people, I think it gives them a bit of confidence, the customers anyway, when they look at us and they see these awards and they think, okay, well, 
that's that's better than not having awards. It, yeah. it shows that someone's had a look at you and given you a tick. So tell us now, I'm always interested in this, at what point, as the you know, you've, you've conceived the idea, you've founded the idea, tell me about that very first time when you thought, hang on, hang on, we're onto something pretty special here. I don't think I can pinpoint that. I do really? remember um, my wife and I, she wasn't my wife then, but um, we would go out to dinner when we when we turned over $60,000 in a week, and that, that was a pretty special time. Every time we turned over 60 grand a week, uh, we would go out to have dinner at the casino and, and celebrate that week. Mm-hmm. That was our reward. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell you when I thought we were onto something big. Right. Uh, I also remember one vivid memory where we turned over four million one year, and it was a, a must, probably the second last week of the financial year, and we had a big celebration in the office for that. That was a milestone. Uh, uh, maybe when we won the Telstra Small Business Award back in what was it ninety three or four, that that was a that was a lovely feeling to think, hello, uh, somebody else thinks that this is a good idea as well. I remember that night we celebrated, and I got back to the office and thought I'd uh, celebrate by uh, letting off a fire extinguisher, which I thought was facing away from me, but was actually facing <laughs> back in my face. And that stuff is quite cold and uh, stings your eyes. Yeah, awards do that, make you do crazy stuff. Um, tell, tell me, what, what now then, um, on the opposite side of the coin, what, what frustrates you about the business now? Staff in Perth, it's a bloody nightmare. They, uh, we just don't have the number of quality people that we used to be able to select from. The mining industry, uh, if I'm um, right in thinking, is taking a lot of people and uh, subjecting them to this unreal uh, expectation they can earn 150 grand straight out of school, and we are really struggling to find quality people. We get them, but boy, we have to go through some people to find them. Uh, and so, therefore, are you having to pull from interstate or overseas? And is it costing you more? It's costing us more. Uh, I would like to be uh, based in the east coast purely for staff, but I quite like the lifestyle here. And in terms of People where, yes, we're getting a lot of Irish at the moment. Probably 12% of our workforce is Irish, but we don't source them from Ireland. Mm-hmm. They come over here, and some British as well. They come over here because their economy is so poor. But, uh, yeah, we, we get a, a good choice of those, and our clients like their accent, and they're nice, hard-working people, and they appreciate the fact that they've got a job. So they're great people to find, and as long as we can get their 417 or 457 visa sorted, we're laughing. Now, you took this, this business, you built it into a brand through, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but through ambush marketing. I, I remember seeing it years ago. There'd be messages on hold, um, signs being waved behind the goals of Australian rules football games. Um, ambush marketing has been your major marketing strategy to create awareness. Is that fair? It's been a, a powerful uh, driver in the initial years. And I can tell you that back in 91, I was uh, watching the grand final, the AFL grand final for my house in Wembley, and the Eagles were playing in it. And uh, in very early in the first quarter, they crossed down to Steve's Hotel, which was only about 15 minutes from my house. So I raced into work, grabbed a couple of signs, and took them straight down to uh, Steve's, and I stood behind the crowd. And every time they crossed across there, we'd have one of these signs pop up. So we're getting across this huge audience. And we kept doing that for six more games uh, in the following season until we got kicked out and then we become official sponsor. But ironically, uh, having been a sponsor of the Eagles for 20 years, some 220-odd games, 
uh, only last week, the Eagles decided, not the Eagles, I beg your pardon, the AFL came down at half-time in the last game and grabbed their signs and um, ejected them. Goodness me. I communist no idea why. Communist Russia. I was uh, dark as ten men about this, and uh, I still have not heard from uh, the Eagles or the AFL as to what the hell's gone on. So I'm not too sure whether somebody in Melbourne, because it was such a big game, has seen that telecast and gone, right, get rid of them, they're not on, despite the fact that we've paid over, well, our sponsorships have totaled well over a million dollars over the last 20 years. So, so just uh, ambush, I haven't covered this topic uh, at all in, in the 90, this is the 99th show of Small Business Big Marketing. For our listeners, what, how do you define ambush marketing? Uh, essentially free exposure via the media. That, that's what I like um, in, in too because that's what I tend to focus on. So mm-hmm. to give an example, you'll be watching the Melbourne Cup and they'll cross down the bookmaker's ring in about 1996 and uh, Tim Gossage is talking away there, talking about the odds and then bang, behind him, <laughs> some guy holds up a message on hold sign and the camera squeezes the shot a bit tighter to crop him out. <laughs> yeah. That just makes our logo bigger. Bang, we get across to six million people. Give us some other examples. Oh, at the Olympics, uh, watching the Cathy Freeman gold medal run, you'll see our big messages on hold sign flapping over the uh, hand railing there on ground level. Oh, that's, that a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Did you get into trouble yep. for that? No, no. Then I had one instance where a couple of guys floated up some helium-filled balloons with our logo on it to sit right over the shoulder of the newsreader from Channel 7 during the Olympics at the Olympic Park, and it sat there for three or four seconds. Now, the director there would have been absolutely mortified to see that pop up because they positioned three, four stories up. Oh, you've seen our logo at the cricket, at Wimbledon tennis, um, all over the shop. So, so, a lot of news uh, live broadcasts where we know that people are setting up to do a 6 p.m. news cross, and bang, our logo just appears above their shoulder or in the background. So it's just taking advantage of the media to get some exposure without any cost. Are you breaking any rules? Well, I should say laws. No, no laws, uh, although if you go now to Olympics or World Cup, they've introduced laws for that. Uh, they are pretty tough to uh, get some exposure at. But no, you, you go along to most things, except those two events I mentioned, and you can do whatever you want. Tell, you me, the, tell, me, the, yeah, well, you exactly. tell me the logistics of organising an ambush then. Do you have a team of people? How do you go about it? Yeah, I used to have... Um, I'd find some people who were brilliant at it, and I used to have a guy that, uh, his name was Glenn, and Glenn could do anything. He got down behind the start of the men's 100 metres at the Atlanta Olympics, and uh, he said, oh, it was amazing. There were blokes with machine guns, and there's three or four different levels of security you had to go through. As long as you were confident, you could get where you wanted, because they're just not looking out for people with a, a sign stuffed up their shirt or uh, down the back of their stride so you you've got a and i'll give you an example of the the one the melbourne cup i was sitting in my boardroom the staff having a melbourne cup lunch and i've got the television on and i'm ringing this guy's mobile and he's got an earpiece in and i say right we'll just hang around the back there that you're not on yet and he knows he's roughly in the right spot and as soon as they come on tell us right you're on so he moves and into position holds it up where he thinks he needs to and then the camera starts squeezing the shot so i say a little bit left down down stop stop right that's perfect that's perfect and then they cross away from the shot so i say go get out of there so he gets out of there quick smart because it takes them a while to find him as a as a rule and uh, if they find you they they might kick you out of it never felt threatened once at the golf in perth i'd uh, ambushed it here with an umbrella behind Ernie Els and it was a beautiful shot they just kept 
cropping it and tightening it and it just made our logo bigger. And then I took off and then some security guy finds me and he marched me across some vacant fairway and I thought, oh, I'm in a bit of strife here if he clocks me. No one can see. Yeah, yeah. What'd he do? No, he just marched me out. Marched you out. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd had enough by then anyway, so he just gave me an escort. Is, um, so just what you do, you send people to an event um, and then they're wired, they've got their earpiece in, so you're at the other end or someone else is at the other end and you're, you're effectively directing them to tell them what the frame, the camera frame is and whether they're in or they're out. Is that how it works? That's it, because it's no good them standing a metre to the left or right not getting in or holding something up too early and giving away uh, the ruse. So it's important that they be coached. Sometimes they're not. They just, uh, I say, right, we'll take these... 250 hands and give them out to punters and let them do the work. So they give them out to the front row at a triathlon near the finish line and uh, probably five, ten minutes before the runners appear, these 150 people have suddenly got hands and they're all waving them. Security can do nothing about that. That's uh, all over Red Rover and they run through and the next day's papers have got some great news coverage and bang, our logo appears bold as brass and, and we look like we're an official sponsor. So, so do you now, do you still have a, a, a formal team like I, I could almost, it's almost like a SWAT team, they're all sitting in some deep dark ca- cave waiting and uh, the, the red phone rings and they're off to some event with, with, with gloves well, and signs in hand yeah, I don't have anyone at the moment that uh, I really uh, think is worthy of spending some money on but if one of your listeners puts their hands up and says Hey, Kim, I, I'm the best ambush marketer there is. I'll pay them. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but they've got to show some initiative. I guess I'm perhaps got a little bit lazy in the last few years and I tended not to push it that much. Tell me the what's the criteria and what's the pay? Bold. Uh, you can earn up to a grand for a couple of minutes' work, something like the Melbourne Cup or uh, a big event that's got a huge audience. I'll pay up to a grand for that. Uh, just got to... Have a bit of um, smarts, have to be able to talk your way into places. And because I've had people, and I'll say, yeah, do this, and I ring, how'd you go? No, I asked if I could take the sign in, and the bloke said no. And I said, well, you're dunce. They're not going to say, come on in and ambush us. <laughs> You've got to hide it. You clown, so we don't waste their money with them again. One, one thing I've always, uh, well, listeners, by the way, if, if you are up for that, uh, I would love, uh, it's amazing some of the stuff that's happening as a result of either appearing on Small Business Big Marketing or listening to it. So um, how do they contact you, Kim? Uh, they just go to our website, messagesonhold.com.au, and uh, contact us via there. Okay. Or they can ring 1-800-MESSAGES and ask for me. All right. Tell me, um, one thing, I've all, and I'll move on from Ambush after this, but I have always wondered, on all the signs that I've seen, I think I'm right in saying this, that it's always just been your logo, and I wonder why you don't put either a phone number or a web address. Yeah. If, if it's a hand that's on screen for a few seconds, you don't get enough chance to write a number down. That stuff is purely to identify us and brand us. Because I have the same problem with my LED signage at AFL games. You know, it's a big sign, but it's really very hard to write messages on hold. We are the people that provide the audio you hear when you're placed on hold. Give us a call on 1-800-MESSAGES. That's, um, that's tricky. That's more left to our mainstream advertising or the web. But uh, look, I'd love to. I'd love to be able to put everything on those hands and, and know that it worked, but it simply doesn't. Yeah, so it's it, it's absolutely it's absolutely brand awareness stuff. Yeah, um, and I tell, tell you what it does. It, when we ring people and we say, "Hi, I notice you've got the radio on hold. Have you ever considered messages?" and they hear our name, they go, "Oh yeah, I've seen you at the footy. Yeah, I, I've I've seen you for the last twenty years. Oh, I, I know that stunt you did in Barcelona Olympics or whatever." And that just gives us this. Um, 
level of credence that we've been around, we're experienced, mm. they know us. There's no having to prove who we are. I, um, at, at what point did you then go, okay, well, I might have to start uh, putting the hand in the pocket? And I, I think I remember a point in time that, oh, hang on, messages on hold look as though they're actually handing over sponsorship money. Did, did you well, sort of... It's funny with the football because that's probably what we're best known for and, and, and the cricket. Uh, some people still think we ambush the uh, AFL games and perhaps the AFL even thought that. That's why they kicked us out. But we've got 120 metres of LED signage along the boundary line. Now, we're good, but we're not that good. <laughs> so uh, uh, there are some people who would still think that we do that. But really, we got six games for nothing and we became an AFL sponsor, although for a couple of years it looked like we were ambushing yeah, because okay. we didn't have the LED signs. But then... We've never really gone. We sponsored Shane Warne for five years, and I then saw we that. did a bit of advertising with that. But we find it—it's not general advertising doesn't work for us. All of our stuff is targeted. It's uh, people have to hear their name in the demo, uh, and they, it's not a sale where you can just put an ad in the paper and go, "Great, six people signed up." So you don't do a lot of that. I was going to say, no. what other marketing do you do? We do internet big. We do. We used to do bulk faxing, but that's now becoming less and less attractive. We'd send out 40,000 faxes a week, mm-hmm. and uh, we get leads from that. We do a lot of um, referral work through our existing clients because they love us as a rule and are happy to pass our name on. And then we just pick businesses that we know need it. We ask clients to suggest other businesses that they think need it, and uh, we contact them. Uh, they hear a demo with their company details in it and the funny thing is when you ring them up and say are you interested in messages and hold they normally go no thanks and you say well have a listen to this oh shit how much is that that's fantastic so they do a 180 and I'm thinking were you telling me the truth when you weren't interested or are you telling me the truth now when you are interested yeah right right now Kim you uh you've been quoted as saying customer service tops your list of passions um, and customer service is um, clearly a marketing strategy that I would probably argue is underdone, certainly in Australia. Um, what, for you, what constitutes great customer service or outstanding customer service? Well, I think you have to give people what they want quickly and then do something extra. Now, I reckon most businesses fail on one or two, maybe all three of those uh, factors, and I'm constantly disappointed with businesses in their service levels. And, you know, occasionally when I run across great businesses, I'm so bloody excited yeah, that yeah. somebody wowed me. Cause, and I've got a couple of staff who are like that too, new staff that come into the business and uh, do a couple of things early on. And I, I'm almost breath, breathless when I, when I see this. Oh, well, that's great. And I often tell them. But, yeah, it's, it's a real problem, I think, with most businesses that they, they get trapped into this, oh, we're the cheapest, and cheapest means worst, and then the service is one of the things that goes straight away. Oh, we have to put on the cheapest people because uh, we can't afford to pay the good people, and customers, you're just going to have to wear the poor service. Mm. So how do you they address it? In, it is a problem. I mean, and it is. It's incredible that we are surprised when it's, it's not even, I mean, when you get that extra bit, when they really surprise and delight, that's that's cool. But why are we so surprised when we even just, you know, even just to be looked in the eyes and greeted and, you know, a smile, it, it seems to be less and less. Why is that? Well, I, I look at, some stuff on Facebook over the last couple of days and I see things like, oh, thanks, Jetstar, cancel my flight last minute. Mm. And I think, well, when you're paying the cheapest price, you've got to accept that, that, that that's their model. That they will cancel flights that are unprofitable and you, the customer, bad luck. I think a lot of businesses just fail to understand. They're so busy doing 
um, putting out fires perhaps, that they don't put the time into looking at what their staff are doing, uh, listen to what they're saying, look at what they're writing, um, and they perhaps haven't got the people in place to be able to back back them up if they're the owner of the company. They've got to have several other people in the organisation, if it's of any size, to replicate what they think is um, great customer service. It's tough. How, how do you how do you train your staff in providing outstanding customer service? You got a sort of five step plan or something you can share? No, there's nothing that uh, elaborate. They have to read my book. They have to watch my world's greatest telephone techniques DVD. Uh, we have people sit with our new staff members and existing you know, long term staff, and just just things like when I walk past and I hear someone say, "I'm oh, sorry about that," or "No, we don't have that." I say, "No." We don't say sorry. We say, please forgive us. We don't say no. We say, I haven't got that in red, but hey, how about I give it to you in blue? That sort of thing. It, it just has to be constant backup. And I think a lot of managers are frightened of telling people uh, what they should be saying. Because I listen to my staff, and if I, they sound hopeless. I'm going to tell them. It'll be like me walking out of the toilet with a piece of toilet paper hanging off the back of my pants. If my <laughs> staff don't tell me and I go to a meeting, I'm going to be angry. So they should be thankful that I'm helping them <laughs> sort out their uh, lousy-sounding phone manner mm. before a client points it out. It, it would be pretty funny going to the meeting with a bit of toilet paper hanging out the back. Yeah, it's like in golf when uh, you snigger because one guy doesn't have any idea of uh, the golf etiquette, and that's the same in business. You, know, you want your staff to be coming across as polished individuals, not drop kicks. Mm. You've just come back from uh, uh, travelling around Europe. Did you experience any um, outstanding customer service over there? Did I? Did I? Um, no, if it hasn't come to mind that quickly, mm. no. No, no, I can't say I was wowed. Who do you look to? Friendly? Who do you look to? For who, who do you think's leading the way in the world? I know Zappos comes up for the, in this conversation often. Anyone else? The Grand Hyatt in Singapore, um, and I go there quite a bit. I only ever stay at that hotel in Singapore when I go up. And every time I go to the restaurant Mezzanine, I'm made to feel like a rock star. And and I'm quite frankly, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> and when I go to restaurants here, um, now I might have been twice or three times. I want that recognition. I want to make, be made feel special. And if I don't get it because they've got high staff turnover or they just don't care, uh, it's just another meal. So, so how, do you, well, how do they make you feel like a rock star? What do they do? Well, there's a couple of guys that have had long-term tenure there, so they know me. When I come in, uh, oh, look, I'll get you a margarita straight away. And, oh, that's great. There's no charge for that. And uh, they, they send over their friend if they can't wait on their table. This is Michael. I've told her to take care of you. And when you've got guests in tow, they think, wow, he's quite well known here. And everybody wants that. And if, if, you're, if you're good enough in your restaurant uh, or in any business, and for instance, when you make a booking and you book under uh, Mr. Reed. They know your name is Mr. Reed, and they should address you throughout the meal like that rather than uh, totally avoiding your name. There's so, so few, there's a, there's a few things that every mm. business should do, and I think most fail at it. Name, uh, recognition, and a whole lot of stuff, uh, stuff that I address in um, a video series called masteringmarketing.com.au, which is part marketing, part customer service, and uh, deals with a whole aspect. You just ambushed my show. I did. It would be remiss of me not to. <laughs> I was waiting these videos, for it. They're free videos. They're 90 <laughs> seconds long, and they come every single week to you for no charge. Now, tell me, um, 
Uh, there's great great advice on customer service. I think uh, it is an absolutely underdone area. Now, I, I want to talk about diversification because you uh, messages on hold is now the messages on hold group. You've got message vision, and I get that. Digital signage seems to fit in with what you're doing. You've got the Groove Gallery, which is license-free ambient music. I get yep. that. That fits into um, that fits into the messages on a whole thing. Dream Holiday Homes, Kim. Talk to me about that. Yeah, king size waste of money. I thought I'd be. Uh, I thought I was going to go make a squillions out of the property market. So I bought a few holiday homes on the Gold Coast and uh, one here in Lancelin. And <laughs> the market's tanked, as you know. And yeah. I managed to flog one off at a small loss, but the others are all sitting on rather large losses. But um, yeah, we rent them out. They're uh, beautiful luxury homes, all on the water. And yes, I'd like the market to be a whole lot rosier, but one day I'm sure it'll come back. And like anybody would tell you in property, if you sit long enough on it, it will make you money. But uh, at the moment, we're just busily paying down debt and hopefully in three years' time we'll be debt-free and those things won't owe us anything except for uh, a bit of uh, land tax and whatever other costs that uh, incur. Tell me, um, Messages on Hold is such a strong brand, yet... You've seen, you've gone down what I would call the house of brands branding model, which is you, you haven't played off the parent brand of messages on hold. Message Vision, the Groove Gallery have nothing to do with messages on hold. Why did you do that? Well, let's take the Groove Gallery. We saw this um, government, no, it's not government, it's the music industry imposing these horrendous fees to play music in businesses. And I thought, well, our clients often are in retail and they're paying these huge fees and it's going to be something like a 1000 to $1,500 a year this year if you're a reasonable-sized restaurant just for the licence to play music. Well, with our service, for about a little more than half that, you get the music and no licence fees. It's royalty-free. And I just thought it was a really nice fit for us. Plus, we need music for our on-hold productions and we were going to third-party libraries and buying those tracks. And they were never as good a quality as we wanted. So mm-hmm. now I can get the music I want for our on-hold and I can also rent it out to people to play in their business and as those rates continue to skyrocket, that business becomes far more attractive. I guess more to the point, why, why didn't you attach them to the, the messages on-hold brand? And as I ask that, I kind of go, well, messages on-hold is such a descriptor. It says what it does, whereas... It would, is that the reason you didn't attach these business names to that, that original brand? Yeah, we wanted to have it as a standalone thing. Right. Uh, and so it described pretty much what it does, the group gallery, Message Vision. Uh, message Vision, uh, we only work with a handful of larger clients with that because that's <laughs> almost everybody in that game has gone bust. It, it's a horrible game and nobody's quite worked out how to make it work. So we've got a handful of large clients that we do some beautiful graphic work for. And once again, I, I need that service in my business. We've got a, quite a big graphics department for our own marketing. Mm. And so it was a, a natural offshoot to say, well, let's get another couple of people and just ramp up that side of our graphic design with some very clever motion graphics. Kim, what would you say to a small business owner, many of which are listening, what would you say to them, uh, who, the ones who are really struggling with their marketing? You know, I always hear they're either lacking time, money or knowledge and often they give up before they even start. What do you say to that small business owner? Gee, um, would they listen? <laughs> <laughs> what would I say? I would say that they need to 
it's just an ongoing thing. A lot of people think, yeah, we're going to market for a year, really go hard at it. Well, it's it's forever. And I, I look at a lot of businesses and think, you're ignorant. You, you think that your customers know what you do, and they don't. Oh, you so like true. You like to think that. Oh, my customers say, we don't need messages on hold. We don't need to tell them what we do because they know what we do. Well, if somebody else comes along and tells them a little bit better, uh, a little bit smarter way, forget you. They've, they've long forgotten you. So it's it's not taking customers for granted. It's not taking because you know what's happening in your business that everybody else does. It's looking for inexpensive ways. I also think that people should be customising their marketing. And uh, I'll, I'll give you this great example that I saw on the net the other day, and I'll do a mastering marketing um, episode about this. But uh, a Porsche dealer decided he would take out a car and he would park it in front of houses in affluent suburbs. He'd take photos of it. And then he would print in his van that he went out with uh, the Porsche and they would make postcards and they would slip them under the door and it said, wouldn't this look good in your driveway or whatever. Now that is so personalized and he had 32% of people respond to a test drive. Now nobody gets 32%. You might get two. A newspaper ad, you might get 0.04. And the same with what we do with our marketing with messages on hold. I ring people and... um, well, they, they ring us, and on that first phone call, <clears throat> many of them hear a demo 12 minutes into the call. They hear a customised demonstration because we've got people behind the scenes that sit and put the effort in. Now, that's all customised, and it stands you out. We're not just trying to sell you something. We're doing work. It obligates them perhaps mentally, uh, and I don't think a lot of businesses do that. They say, oh, I'll stick an ad in the local magazine or the local paper. Well, I think that's important, yeah. but that's not the only way to do it. I don't even think it's important. Uh, I think it can be fraught with danger and a bottomless pit. Yeah, and I think when... Uh, but then, then again, on, on that aspect, if I need a tradesperson, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll go to the local paper. If it's right there, there's a trade. Okay, I'll pick that guy. Mm-hmm. That's that's an option for me. But uh, the smart tradesperson would have been known to me prior, would have been marketing to me for two years with getting no return so that the moment I need his service, I'm aware of him or her. I heard uh, a story. I must. I must find this uh, example somewhere. But there is a there's a lawnmower case study. A guy who mows lawns in the states who used Google Maps to go and have a look at everyone's backyard, get the dimensions of them, and leave um, a firm quote in their letterbox, having looked at uh, the size of perspective p- proportions of their backyard, which I think is a fantastic idea as well. It requires yep. a little bit of um, you know roll up the sleeves, a bit of grey matter, but in terms of cost, it's it's very little. Kim, I always yep. like to. Um, uh, finish by asking my guests who the most famous person they've ever met is but I also the same birdie that told me that you married your first full-time staff member tells me that the uh, the Top Gear hosts Jeremy Clarkson and James May stayed at your holiday home last year true yeah and they were probably the the oh yeah I met them I had a half a day with them, and they were fantastic guys, Jerry really? and uh, James. I went and played beach cricket with James, and my sons came over to the island at Lancelin, and uh, we had a lovely day. And we had lunch back with Jeremy and the management team from Brand Events, and that was part of the deal when they stayed at my place. I said, look, I don't want any money for it, but uh, uh, I want to be able to have a half a day with them because that's worth a fortune. If you were to go and bid for that at a drunken businessman's auction, you'd be playing plenty. Uh, oh, I've met lots of other people too. Um, Warney, we had five years with Shane. Uh, I met Russell Crowe on a plane. Crowey. Um, Michael Schumacher a couple of times. Yeah, it's nice to meet famous people. Have a chat with them. Love it. Kim Illman, messages on hold. Thanks a million for coming on the show. Uh, I feel uh, a privilege that you've ambushed it, so thank you for that. 
I hope you find someone off the out of the audience who, who wants to do some ambush marketing for you. And in fact, I'm actually going to have a think about how I could start using ambush marketing to get the word out about this show. Good luck to you. Good on you. Thanks, Kim. Pleasure, Tim. Well, there you have it. I have wanted to know more about guerrilla marketing, ambush marketing for years, really. Um, it's an often talked about phrase uh, within marketing circles, but little understood and rarely done. So I hope that gave you, it certainly gave me a whole lot of insight into a strategy that would actually be a lot of fun to implement. I'm, I'm actually considering, um, and I'll put some further thought into this and talk about it in an, in an upcoming show, but I would love to implement um, an ambush marketing strategy for small business big marketing, which I'm just thinking aloud here, probably involves me having to get some banners printed, some big logos printed of smallbusinessbigmarketing.com, nice strong call to action, and somehow getting it out to any listener that wants to take on the challenge of ambushing an event with this show's brand name in it. That'd be cool. I'd like that. I reckon there's a competition in that. In fact, I remember Triple J, the radio station Triple Triple J had that um, competition years ago called Beat the Drum, where their logo's a drum and you had to get it into the craziest place possible, take a photo of it and send it in to the station to win some kind of prize. So there might be a competition in the making for small business, big marketing and ambush marketing, small business ambush marketing. Um, hmm, thinking, thinking. So, um, well, if there's any printers out there who want to print me some big banners, bring that on. That's a start. Um, I hope you got lots out of it. If you are going to go down the path of ambush marketing, um, I would love to hear about it. So if you're going to do it and achieve some success with it, then please send me a video or a photo Uh of your efforts because I would certainly uh, publish them. I'd love, to, I'd love to see them. Enough of that. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we're brought to you by netregistry.com.au for all your online marketing needs. Please go and check them out because they're great friends of the show, as are you. So thanks for being a part of the tribe. And until next time, love your marketing. See ya. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reid. Want more marketing goodness? Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.